Hello, it's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is John Daniel, who's behind the project Forest Management, based in Chicago. John's music centers primarily at the moment anyway on sampling, samples that are modulated, drenched in echo, often heavily looped. And what you end up with is a music that sounds fabulous, listened to late at night on headphones, maybe going for a walk around the place that you live after dark. Once all the lights are out, everyone else is indoors. It's just you. You have that soft introspection, that blurry consciousness. John's sounds have this formless sort of approximate feeling to them like they're kind of unraveling or spilling slowly in all directions there's a sort of placelessness to them almost like a memory that's only being vaguely recollected but at the same time you get this lucidity as well so take a record like after dark that john released late last year that centers on samples of Debussy and you feel like you're reducing to the real essence of what that original music is about the sort of emotional raw spirit all of the ornamentation is stripped away and you just get that formless core to what that music is trying to say it's fabulous I had a really nice time chatting with John we spoke shortly after he'd released a new split release with Kevin Drum on Reserve Matinee, one of John's labels, one of several that he's involved in. I thoroughly recommend checking out his music, especially as the nights draw in. You can go to forestmanagement.us for more information. And as as, a, as always as well, head to attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash crucial listening for more information on John's picks and links to his music as well. Cool. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. I certainly did. John's a very thoughtful guy. Had so much lovely stuff to say about these three excellent records. This is John Daniel, Forest Management on Crucial Listening. Hello, John. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Thanks for having me. No trouble. So you've picked three important records for us to talk about. But first, I want to touch on a couple of recent releases of your own. So let's start with the split with Kevin Drum, which came out on uh, your own Reserve Matinee imprint in early October. I've been listening to that one and that release feels so coherent to me when I'm listening to both pieces side by side. There's this sense that both pieces are kind of musically aware of each other as you're listening to them. Um, I mean, firstly, how did you come to work with Kevin on this release? Um, I got in contact with Kevin, I want to say two years ago. Um, Had kind of, had met him, seen him around at gigs and just like, I don't actually remember how I got his email, to be honest. Might have asked him at one of those gigs or something, but yeah, we just had been talking on and off initially. I wanted to like book him at a, a venue in Chicago. Um, and you know, a Kevin drum performance is a very <laughs> rare thing. And, um, <laughs> just, you know, I just thought like, why not? You know, I, I, uh, lived in the city for a couple of years, just like was curious and, um, had always been, you know, a huge, huge fan of his stuff. And, got back to me and, you know, politely declined on the offer, uh, for the show, you know, and, and, and I don't know, kind of moving forward with the releases in the label, we really just try to focus on like Chicago music and Midwest music, hmm. um, at least right now. And so it just kind of came back through, it came back into the picture. Um, and so, yeah, I just hit him up and checked in and, how it would happen was I made my side first 
and then sent it over to him and he bit kind of that he used that as like a a starting point for for his own piece so and then we just like i called mine torrent and then he was like well like you know he's like he named his base off that too um right trip so yeah i just kind of ended up he fused it um yeah and then i took like the picture for the cover somewhere in uh, uptown i got a walk one night yeah we we just shipped those all out uh this this lat this past week so yeah that makes so much sense the fact that kevin had been listening to yours in the generation of of his own piece i mean would you in <clears throat> creating your piece was there a an awareness when you were making it of maybe what kevin does or what kevin would potentially contribute like were you reaching out from your yeah. side as well uh-huh yeah i really had to like get over that because uh, i was like <laughs> really thinking way too much about you know but also i guess what i was thinking too much about was just like what my shit was sounding like in terms of i guess it had been a while since i'd like had sat down and be like, I'm going to make a 15 minute like piece, you know? So that was really kind of the, the challenge, I guess, getting back into that hmm. and getting back into that in 2020, you know, um, <laughs> right. it was like, it was just, it was a good challenge and a good like exercise. I mean, I just kind of, um, <clears throat> ended up like calling together, um, material that I had already had sitting around and then kind of like, yeah, just re revamping it. And, um, really just kind of kept it simple that was my my conclusion but um yeah i'm intrigued uh to talk a bit more about the challenges of generating like Mm -hmm. a 15 minute piece of music because i think what strikes me about both your pieces is that there is this adherence to a premise like throughout both of them but with these really gentle modulations going on which kind of move you on but you still yeah. feel like you're within the same orbit i mean what is it about the the, the extended duration that introduces challenges to generating a new piece of music yeah it really well, i think it really like just the idea of time and just like me- me- messing with time you know like really mm-hmm. perception of time and like how long something's been going on right and like mm-hmm. using loops because i still work with loops also so but like I just I like to kind of also blur like you know like there's a loop going on and something that's just actual 15 minute recording you know what I mean yeah. uh, kind of blurring the lines between those two um, layers as well so then just kind of yeah mixing when you get to the mixing stage and you're mixing tracks like in this case there's only a few or like a couple going on but you know it's it's more you have multiple like time frames and time lengths going on and Mm -hmm. um so then yeah i just that's kind of a good way to kind of fill that that space um or to like introduce like a an action or an activity i guess like a a relationship between these sounds you know it gives me something to work with like i'll have usually like when i and building a track, like maybe I'll have like um, two shorter loops and then like one longer loop or something, right. um, you know, and then I'll like, and then of course there's like delay and other things, but starting from a, a real like basic, just using those as like their own like kind of instruments, I guess, you know, um, and then just like, yeah, 15 minutes can actually fly by or if you're playing a like a live set, I've had to do actually a couple like um, hour long uh, live live recordings just kind of more like drifty you know um drone based stuff so that was also i was also kind of working in that way where i would just bring in these really long um loops that had been kind of like stretched out um so it's like a 20 minute thing you know but then you like bring it in uh you know fade it in fade it out and like yeah just like kind of blending things together because I think a lot of like, say, I mean, the only other example I could think of is like, you know, something like harsh noise or something, you know, which is kind of this formless could be this formless thing in a sense. Um, you know, and so, but I'm not really thinking about time when I'm listening to the harsh noise tape, you know, right. Um, 
you know what I mean? So it's just like a different, um, yeah, <laughs> but it, yeah. yeah, it was definitely like just, just more so the, uh, honestly just coming up with, uh, just that initial set, you know, that initial set of like loops or that initial set of, uh, elements just cause like coming up a new, coming up with new material, like in 2020 in general has been like a challenge, I'd say. Hmm. Um, yeah. So any um any thoughts on why that is yeah i think i'm just really like distracted and uh and i see other people talking about it too and that is helpful just to know you know like definitely we're all feeling it like just Mm -hmm. creatively um and like i'm I'm working on this like film score right now uh pretty stoked about it i've been starting to uh kind of match image to audio and uh it's kind of totally slowed down on my end um yeah i'm just really because you don't want to rush things and also but it's just like there's a slower pace right now and it is harder to stay focused and just staying off the internet uh yeah yeah you know just because uh and because we care you know because we want to know what's the hell is going on and you know um but yeah i do need to kind of carve out these more like studio session times right now probably but <laughs> i live mm. in my studio too so it's like a <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> real nice yeah. tiny thing yeah one of the question i wanted to ask was about i mean obviously your last i guess full length proper i suppose would be after dark um yeah and you know that came out i guess nearly a year ago now but you know basically another lifetime ago i mean do you have any reflections on how your perception of that material has has changed now that you're kind of like a year on from from that record has that distance generated any new reflections for you on your relationship with it um uh, not particularly um yeah, I kind of just moved on from that, like, as soon as it <clears throat> dropped, because mm. I kind of had, had finished it earlier on in the year, and, <clears throat> yeah, tried not to really think too much on it. Um, like, the only thing I would say is, like, I definitely had in mind that I want to get back to, like, playing music with my hands, like, right. um, actually writing music again, like, of how I started the project um just like playing notes on a midi controller you know and and going from there and you know i've had synths here and there um so maybe i'll i'll buy one soon but just like a used uh you know fm synth or something but you know just getting back to playing notes and like writing um getting more like material to uh to edit and mix with later um and that's that's definitely going to be like the basis of my next record. So really like sampling, I'm definitely still sampling all the time, you know? And, um, but now I'm definitely like looking forward to just kind of switching gears a bit. In terms of stuff you're working on at the moment as well, it sounds like that you're also kind of mapping out a vinyl CD and literature imprint. Can you tell me anything about that? Yeah. Um, it's called SNA editions and it's just this thing that's, I'm slowly building it right now. It's not, nothing's coming out anytime soon. Or, um, I haven't even like announced it or anything. It's, it's on Twitter and I just kind of use that Twitter account to, um, actually just like collect ideas and, you know, like follow people that, you know, are in Chicago that are, doing interesting things um Mm. related to film particularly so i'm really like um yeah i'm just really curious about like film history here which is another thing i've been studying so uh when i speak of literature you know i'm interested in like doing these kind of like film night types of things and i was hoping like there'll be more of a possibility this year but um Mm. like just doing more just other than music, just more like, um, kind of fusing those two worlds together, you know, and like maybe somebody, maybe a friend writes a film book or something, you know, um, 
about a certain director, something like that. Just the, uh, and I also wanted to get into like reissues. Um, I was actually I'm looking around for some reissues right now. There's a an old there's a jazz uh, label in Chicago um, that I'm going to be contacting soon because uh, I just there's a lot of archival material out there, and so it's really just a matter of like knowing just knowing the the channels that it goes through. And, um, but yeah, I just really want to like there's a lot of older records out there that haven't been like reissued either that are you know. I would at least like to try. And I, that's kind of more of what SNA Editions um, is going to be about. And um, really the other, anybody that's listening to this that like knows my other projects, like they know that I have like four of the labels, but um, yes. yeah. I'm really going to be kind of just folding, you know, it's really just about focus to me. So it's like you can, and I guess I was inspired by like, you know, 2000s American noise where it's like, you know, one dude has got like 20 labels, you know, um, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's really just more about like, what are you focusing on in the moment anyways, you know? So it's like really, yeah. And with 2020, I'm also just been reconnecting with my roots and just like really feeling a, a real like healing power from, from getting into and listening to a lot of this jazz. So that's my focus. And my other label sequel, that's definitely like, I'm not going to be releasing anything else on that label, but it's just there. And I still have CDs from that label. Hmm. Um, uh, Reserve Matinee will still be doing like tape, uh, tape releases. We have actually some LPs coming up that we're excited about. Um, so, you know, just kind of uh, doing it more by project and like Reserve Matinee will be um, more so uh, like just, just the cassettes and then an occasional LP, but we're going to kind of spread out the, physical releases more and then um yeah sna editions that i was just talking about that's that's just kind of my like art history project that i'm really going to be trying to focus on completely um if i'm not working on like my own stuff so great yeah well best of luck with getting that up and running where's the best place for people to uh keep up to speed with what you're doing uh in general yeah yeah uh, yeah Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't have a. I have a blog. Um, I don't really update too often. Forestmanagement.us, but um, honestly, like Twitter's decent good way. Yeah, I don't know. It'll just come out. Honestly, I don't. Uh, I'm not too great with the communications right now. I'm just. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna like yeah go dark on my Facebook page soon. You know, like I'm. It's kind of all scattered, right? I just feel like yeah. all this stuff scattered around. But anyways, I appreciate you asking. <laughs> no, yeah, sure, people can find it. It'll come out. It'll come out. Yeah. Great. Well, let's go to talking about your three important records now then, John. I mean, one question yeah. I tend to start with is about how you thought about the term important when you picked your selection. So was there a particular way that you interpreted that term when coming up with your list? Yeah, definitely. It was just more to me like... I really just thought about the things that were very formidable for me, you know, very like a crucial, like turning points, I guess, or just like, you know, records that I feel I was definitely like obsessed with at a particular time, even if I'm not listening to them now, you know, just mm. stuff from, from back in the day. We can go in whichever order you like. I'll let you pick mm-hmm. whichever one you talk about first. So, Give me the okay. name of it, and then tell me a bit about why it's important to you as well. Yeah. Um, well, we can. It's kind of like a chronological order, actually. Um, so the first one, I started with Charles Mingus, um, oh. actually, and so Charles Mingus, uh, Ken Burn Jazz. So it's like best of Charles Mingus compilation. Um, the reason I chose a compilation is because I actually received that specific album or that release on a burn cd from a neighbor of mine when i was like 11 um and this that was the very first cd that i ever owned wow. and like my mom my mom he gave it to my mom and my mom gave it to me we, we grew up i grew up in an apartment building like three three floor apartment building the burbs of cleveland and did like definitely like the, <laughs> did not expect to like i don't know i mean i was like 11 but like you know 
it's cool that that found me. And then he, he's a, my neighbor was actually, he's a, he still lives there today. Um, he's a jazz bassist. So yeah, we eventually like kept in touch and years later actually like showed up and gave him like a record. Um, so that was cool. But anyways, it was really, I, it did like preface me going into like high school and getting into like, like trying to get into the jazz band and stuff. Um, I was actually, had always been like a drummer. So like started drums probably like 12, 13. And then, yeah, like jazz was just the, was really, it really had me hooked, you know? Um, and so I would just, but I would like, my dad like only listened to certain, he would like listen to like a lot of like smooth jazz and stuff. Like I would, uh, I would just mostly like, I had this Charles Mingus CD, honestly, for like the first couple of years. And then I would like start to get into like other types of like music and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a special CD. I still have it. Um, it's just like, yeah, like the first, the first, uh, track Haitian fight song. That's a real, so I remember like first putting this one on and it just like, it was really off putting or it was really like, it was way too weird, way too like, I was like, why is this guy like, it sounds like somebody's like screaming, like, you know, just playing his trumpet, you know, I'm just like, I was like, this is just so like kind of dissonant. Like, I'm not, I don't know if I, I was like the drum, I want the drums to do more or something or like, Mm -hmm. I didn't really like respect the drumming or something. I remember that being a thing because I was like, you know, my first, I guess, introduction or whatever to like playing a drum kit was through like rock music or like whatever. And so, you know, um, yeah, just really like seeing like jazz drumming and hearing it for the first time. And it just, I didn't like how it challenged me, I guess, or how it didn't fit into, you know. So anyways, as it, you know, would be anybody, anybody else's first encounter of jazz, I suppose. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, or maybe not, but it's just, uh, but then it eventually grew on me, you know, and it just, the more I understood that it was actually just like a, this is language or something, you know, um, and just also realizing who Charles Mingus was, you know. Um, yeah, so that's a really, really special one. Um, there's some good ones on there too. Mood, Ind- Mood Indigo is a great song. Yeah. Really silky one. Yeah, yeah. Buy, buy Hats on there as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's an incredible yeah, song. On there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But do you enjoy it? I love it. I love it. Well, so, yeah. so there are, I think, two Mingus records that I'm familiar with which uh, is mingus arm and mm-hmm. black saint and sinner lady which i think are both yeah. incredible um yeah so obviously the tracks that appear on this i was already familiar with but listening to the rest of it just made me want to spread out even further um i i, I don't know what it is there's something really sort of sweaty kind of bloated lot of bends lot of rasps yeah. lot of screams it's all in Definitely. it's like sloshing over the side kind of thing um kind of got this new orleans vibe at the time mm. like i don't know how else to put it yeah <laughs> just yeah. kind of yeah and uh and honestly i haven't really studied up on mingus too much um i, I should really i mean just like deeply you know just like it's like childhood story and stuff like that like i don't mm. know um really interesting i'm really intrigued by the label that he used to run out of his like apartment um it's on Discog. It's like the jazz workshop. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, it just ran. Yeah, just this like it just really limited runs. You know, mailing out of there. Just, um, just because like yeah, he got to a point in his career where he wasn't really trying to mess with any like labels. He was getting gypped, <laughs> so he just kind of did stuff on his own. It's always I, I think too like his specific like I don't know his like. It's just like flavor of it too of jazz, which like there are these kind of pretty like avant-garde like moments where they're just like there's really unconventional insertions of like you know like a, a sound or like a you know something that is just kind of thrown in there. He kind of likes to throw things off every now and then a little like mm-hmm. and just like the recording styles too. So I think that also is like. Yeah, probably the recording styles as well. Just like hearing the whole, I was just listening to a room, you know, felt like, yes. just like, you know, so that like to, to, to encounter that, I guess, outside of like the polished, super polished radio station, 
experience, you know, like mm-hmm. I think that's, that's also kind of what broke me open and makes sense that I ended up like, you know, um, getting in a noise or whatever, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is an incredible <laughs> first album to own, like, you know, Oh yeah. At 11, yeah. uh, the age that we are, I think you're a year older than myself, but for most people it's a shaggy record or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's quite amazing. I mean, you, you mentioned the fact that you were really off-put by it to begin with. Yeah. Uh, um, so I presume, did you just persist because you had that was the only record you had? Like, obviously, you know, in later times, you you may have just gone, sod it, yeah, there's more stuff to listen to and this is not connecting. So what kept you going back in again? Well, I should say, like... I enjoyed parts of it to where it's like, it was like, um, man, um, how do I say this? It was like sitting and waiting for a home cooked meal instead of just being able to go through the drive through or something. And I, <laughs> I wanted the, I wanted the drive through at the time. I wanted the, like, I don't know, like how long, just like the first song alone just how long that takes to kind of build up and Mm -hmm. that kind of drove me insane a little bit it was just like the tension and the the complexities and the and just people people vibing you know yeah Uh, which you don't always hear that unless you're you know there's there's things that recording that you just you can't see so you just you don't hear it either uh it's just really wild you know it's like a um and so i just all that all that all that stuff together it just was like, I don't have time for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just wasn't like ready for that yet. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, like that's really the best way I feel like I could uh, put that. Um, I haven't really talked about this with anybody before either. Uh, it's kind of hard to put into words, but yeah. 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 It's just, but it was still really good, good, good meal, right? Like a good, like it was. And in fact, when I, when I did listen when I did let it take me there, you know, that just made it that much more powerful. Right. Um, but I would, there'd be times I would just straight up skip over certain parts of the songs just to like get to the, because I was, I was also like really trying to learn. I think just like drums was also drums were also like kind of driving my, uh, curiosity. Cause I was trying to like, just start playing more and just like have my pair of sticks, with no drums, just like air drumming, just like, just getting into it, just getting going. And then eventually I would try to like play at school or something, but I really wanted to like get into the nitty gritty of what was, you know? And so I was like, all right, let's move through this like slow sack stuff, you know, right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. yeah. What were your reference points like prior to getting your first album? I've heard you talk about music and computer games being prominent at a certain point, but I don't know whether that was before or after. I mean, what, what, what was your kind of musical universe prior to getting this record? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was through, yeah, like the video games I'd play. Hmm. Um, like, I remember that because that's in terms of like being memorable. Um, you know, I grew up in church, so I also was like listening to a lot of uh, music. My parents were playing in the car and at home, you know, related church and ccm as they call it Mm. um (laughs) so the video games was really like you know my parents were like to me to me and my sister like oh here you guys go like you here are these like worlds these portals you can enjoy you know like as long as you do homework or whatever you know (laughs) so we would just play together and then like i would just like notice the game would be on and i would just really enjoy the fact that like this game was on in my room and there was this like soundtrack blasting out of the TV from it. And that was just like having that, like a unique experience, I guess, you know, with like media, just like the very first thing I could think of. Right. So, um, but also it's like a lot of that was electronic music and like yeah. parts of like, even like the, the first Donkey Kong SNES, like, you know, that's straight up like ambient music. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but you just kind of register that, differently in your brain at the time you know uh, mm. but it, like i was kind of later to like discovering like a lot of like bands a lot of like singers and artists where did discovering mingus take you in terms of your 
jazz journey? Like what were your next touchstones? Yeah. Um, well actually like, so I just kind of went to the library, like my local library was the biggest source of new music at the time, honestly. Um, like I was on the internet and I would mostly though, I've just, uh, on the internet I'd find like electronic music. That was the, the first stuff I found or I was like looking for, um, hmm. like the AOL days, but like, just like, <laughs> um, Dave Brubeck, uh, geez, just a lot of, um, even Coltrane too. I was starting to listen to his, you know, just like stuff that you'd find. Like it was all, my library had a great like jazz section. So it was, um, but it's mostly like, it was, I would say like, you know, jazz school, you know, jazz school. Scene. Yeah. Um, kind of stuff. I passed over a lot of it, honestly. And again, it was, yeah. And I, uh, I held on to the, so the manga CD, like that just existed in my like sphere, like kind of in its own space to be, to be honest, like it, I didn't really, uh, mess with too many other like, uh, jazz records at the time. So, right. Yeah. So that's yeah. interesting. So I just had this, so that was the thing that I was able to come back to it. Cause it was like, when I wanted to break from like Daft Punk or, you know, right? <laughs> just uh, yeah. just pop in the Mangus, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> let's go to your second important record now if you can give me the name of it and a bit about why it's important to you as well yeah um that would be do make say think goodbye enemy airship the landlord is dead and i can't even tell you the year that came out because i'm not looking at my computer or anything 2000 i think 2000 that sounds right yeah i mean <laughs> this is just like a to me like a seminal right like 2000s post-rock record um uh-huh do make say think they're um they are still based in toronto so uh, yeah i was i was mentioning this is kind of more of like in a chronological order so really this is more sophomore year of high school uh junior year of high school i had started my first band met my met my buddy uh, adam miltner in biology class in sophomore year and like um I, don't, I would just like go in like the cafeteria or he knew me from like eighth grade or something. He knew who I was. Right? And we just like, I was just playing drums in the school band at this point, And he would like, I guess like see me playing in the, I would like break into the band room during like lunch and just like play the drum set or like say I was practicing for timpani because I was in the orchestra, but I'd actually just like rip in the kid or something. <laughs> and he was like, and he would, Adam would come up to the window and like put his face in the window. Like the kids would do that sometimes. And he was one of them. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we eventually met like sophomore year of high school and started a band, started jamming. He was the first person I really like, made music with. And like, um, he played guitar and I would just play a kit in his like parents' basement. And we eventually started a band called Royal Waves uh, with uh, two other um, friends, Adam Smith and Nate Bishop. And yeah, so it was just really the first time I was like thinking about making music with other people, kind of getting outside of this internet world that I kind of like, sur- like surrounded myself with, you know, like earlier on, just, just, just logging out of the chat, you know, just um, mm-hmm. really being even more curious. And so thanks to Adam, um, Milton, like he, yeah. Uh, and, and Smith actually, like, um, both those dudes showed me a lot of, uh, a lot of like new stuff. So like, um, post, you know, these bands like do make say think. So for me, it was like more of like, I, I went that route 
and so I started to listen to a lot of post-rock music. Um, so I was like, all right, well, you know, and then you get closer to like a place of like experimental art, you know, where it's like, there are definitely like, like, and there's, there's do makes, I think pieces that are just like straight up, like, you know, noise passages, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like I was, that was the true beginning. I would say of just like, okay, now I have like these albums and my like, computer you know and i'm like just listening to this, this stuff all the time and um and i'm like this is this is me you know it's like i love this like this is i want to do this um so that's really the time that um and then you know graduating high school i guess just that whole like life change stuff you know so it's it's music mm-hmm. that is it's music you do hold on to through like kind of being kind of saying sayonara to <laughs> your hometown <laughs> or yeah. you're you know just gonna yeah, that's a great record, and um, I, yeah, I just can't recommend it enough. It's very, so I don't like we're using the word cinematic, but <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to avoid. It just, in terms of like, yeah, it's hard to not feel something with that one, um, and just how they, the chemistry, but you know, knowing how many people are in that group too, um, mm. it's pretty awesome, and and the fact that they like two drummers. And so I was like loving that. And also, so it's like, it mixes the the jazz with, you know, just like traditional rock or like whatever, just, it mixes it all together. And so I didn't end up making the jazz band in high school and, um, it all was too rigid to me anyways. And so it's like, and all of a sudden I'm starting this band and I'm like hearing bands like this and I'm hearing the record like this. And it's like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> like home, homie's just you know he's just hitting the ride symbol on the two and four you know because there's a second drummer like that's perfect like that's right. what i need to, that's what i need to be that's what i need to be focusing on because uh-huh. you know forget this other stuff like you know that stuff's cool you know at the same time it's just like not worrying so much because like being on the drum line and stuff like as a drummer you're like um, worrying about your chops or your like how fast you play or like what you know your knowledge music theory etc mm. but this was like wow these guys are they just have all these instruments together and they're, they're just composing you know for me discovering stuff like this was really when i thought about patience within the context of rock music and how that could be utilized um, yeah had you had much experience with i mean i suppose mingus there's a lot of that there as as well in terms of how he uses duration and how jazz generally can use utilize long durations but um had you had any music that had kind of played with duration in this way within like a, a more of a rock context uh no not really i mean outside of do you make say thing you mean yeah no I mean, well, there are other, well, I shouldn't say that. I'm just like, no, <laughs> just because I don't want to like think too hard, but no, it's just, uh, no, it really, uh, so this is kind of, a. this opened up a whole like new zone for me where I was, I was definitely, um, I was now in search of like anything that was just out of the norm. Right. Um, mm. And that like still sounded cool, you know. I was still kind of critical, I guess, or like, yeah. Um, hmm. And so, gosh, long form though, durational. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I could list other post rock bands, but right. that's pretty much, you know what I mean? It, it kind of because it wasn't until like I got back into electronic music with like, oh, okay, drone, like. I didn't know that was a thing, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Great. So then it was just like, that was, but like up until then though, it's like, yeah, there wasn't really, again, I was, I was pretty bad at like record collecting it. I was, I was not, um, you know, I, and not, it wasn't until I, you know, basically like moved out of my parents. Um, I just would kind of keep the same, same things over and just really, really, um, digest them you know what i mean like really um and then i was also just making my own music at this point and then just not doing homework but, um, <laughs> yeah when you think back to listening to this record as a sophomore in high school i mean what does that listening experience look like to you like what are you what format are you listening to it on where are you mm. what are you doing like what's the prominent memory that comes to mind there yeah this was a cd 
Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. This is like CD, like um, driving my parents' uh, PT Cruiser. Nice. Um, <laughs> senior privileges, Chipotle. And yeah, it's pretty much um, that's the vibe. And yeah, just because like that became a thing for me too, where I'm starting to, I'm just driving, I'm fielding music through like driving. And so like that's just like, um, I don't know, it's just like this landscape uh, vibe to it, like now. And I'm like, that's how I would just like listen to music all the time, just driving around. And Cleveland had a great like park system. And so yeah, I just, I don't know driving through like nice beautiful zones so yeah that's really the yeah cds were big and of course those are harder to be able to play in the go now but um i definitely do miss those <laughs> yeah um it's been nice to, to see you talk about cd within the context of your own labels as like a format yeah. that you're still playing with do you, do you yeah, think that you feel connected to them because of your memories with cds or what is it about cds that you like I think it's definitely a connection to the memory and just ha- having always, they've just always been there. Um, and I also just like the format and I do like how you can have more expansive art mm-hmm. um, than like a cassette um, or you have more of a capacity, you know, for it. And um, yeah, but I think, and it's cool to see. And I am excited. There's a lot of like new CD labels happening now, which is great, you know, and I'm really stoked that, you know people are starting up new stuff too so but yeah i really like with the sequel that just seemed like the right thing to do um reserve matinee i'm happy to have like a tape label like that's really just wanted to yeah just have some kind of like cassette and then um yeah the getting into the vinyl thing it's like a you know reserve matinee we're about to like drop our first vinyl lp so once that happens then i'll I'll start like bringing vinyl into the fold, but yeah, as of right now, it's been just the discs. Yeah. How, um, how has the process been of getting into vinyl? Has that gone smoothly? Um, yeah, it's been good. Uh, I thankfully had been somewhat involved with like the process just through other projects. Um, but like had never, this is my first time putting out someone else's record. But and also like the first time working with this plant in Chicago, but they're excellent and they're you know they've made it super easy for us. Um, it's like a local plant called Smashed Plastic. And yeah, they do more like limited runs, so we're we're just doing like two fifty um, for this first run. So yeah, it hasn't been too bad. So we're just waiting for the test pressings and then, uh, kind of go from there. But the, yeah, there is you know there's a lot more to like obviously like keep in mind and then with like cds or tapes you know you gotta think about the labels you gotta think about the jackets and making sure the art's like not you know there's enough bleed you know right. that's that kind of yeah. those are the things that i get more tripped up about earlier on with the proofs and stuff but that's all taken care of so nice it's just like waiting now yeah Wicked. Well, let's talk about your third record then, John. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as you say, it's by Stars of the Lid. If you could tell me what it is and a bit about it as well. Yeah, so this is a Vec Laudanum and uh, came out in 1999, which for some reason, like a lot of my favorite records came out in 1999. But like, this is uh, Stars of the Lid and a uh, duo from Austin, Texas. And they did make this one like long distance and um yeah yeah so this record so it came out in 99 but of course i wasn't listening to this until this is like i'm about to like drop out of college at this point i think 
or it's like 2000, sheesh, 2000, well, 2012 around there, mm-hmm. 2011, it was probably earlier the first time. I, so Stars of the Lid was a really like potent, I would say, discovery for me and, and the, or like a really, really odd too. It was just, it took me a while to, you know, you just kind of, when you're getting into like anything, you kind of see things in your periphery, but you're not yet really like investigating everything yet. Yep. So I was just like, you know, I was like, well, I was really taken by their art and I was taken by their name and I was taken by their titles. I was just like really intrigued. Um, but it kind of took me like, I feel like a couple of years to just like dive in. So, but I heard snippets here and there and I liked what I heard. Um, I just remember it being, it was just like, wow, this is like slower than anything I've ever heard. And I was like, I was still like jamming my post rock at the time. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> but it's like, no, really though. It's like, it was really, I definitely took like a very kind of typical, like, um, I don't know, just kind of going in this direction of timbre or something, you know, but, uh, I eventually bought this on vinyl. Um, and yeah, it just really, as a group, they definitely, I don't know, they're, they're probably one of my biggest influences in forest management, even like the name, you know, is inspired by like just their vibe and, and, uh, just, just being, being in that universe, I guess, you know? Um, so I was a huge cranky nerd, like earlier, early in college. And this is at this point, this is like, I'm just about to just, I'm about to just get, you know, dunked with a bunch of electronic music and noise music, you know, mm-hmm. and started to get involved in Cleveland, started to go out to like gigs, started to like open for people, like playing gigs and just like self-release my first tape in 2012. And so that was like kind of just the floodgates, I guess, you know, of um, stuff. But really before that, yeah, 2010, 2011 is probably when I was really beginning to engage as a listener on a deeper level with, you know, just a lot of this music. And so, yeah, I mean, just the idea of having like a guitar as an instrument, as a bass instrument, and then, they've got like a synthesizer and then they use four track and then that was just, you know, I'm sure for a lot of people it's, it's really, yeah, I know they weren't the only ones to do that in art, but that just happened to come my way, you know, and it was perfect timing. So, um, at that point I was just, yeah, it's just like, well, and it's really hard to talk about the music itself. I mean, really, it's just, you just have to listen to, I, I really, it's really great night music. All I can say it's a night record nice. for me. Yes. Yeah, but um, beyond that, I have no other words. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's really good. just the tones. On the, yeah, it uh, just the the pure tones. Um, and the last, the final piece, "I Will Surround You," is my favorite. Stars lit track of all time. So it's and just like yeah, that it's definitely been an influence on my own music as well, like solo music. So. You know, like when you're in an art museum and you're just, and, and it's a very comprehensive place, you know, and you, you kind of eventually arrive in an area where, you, yeah, there's like resonance and there might, there's, there'll be like more than one of those, you know what I mean? But there's, there's always that one spot where you're just like, well, I could just sit here for, you know, forever. Uh-huh. Um, that's kind of musically. Yeah. That's, that was that moment for me. And I'm just really grateful to even have been able to express that in my own way, you know, and I just encourage that for everyone. You know, it's like, cause I, you see people getting bent over, out of shape over like, because they like, they get into something, not because like, it's something that like draw drew them, but like, it's, it's someone else told them to, you know, or like it's right. based on someone else's experience. So, and that could be fine too, but yeah. That's the only thing I would say is, yeah, I'm just grateful to have had that. And that's, yeah. I'm intrigued that you picked this record. I think um, maybe for quite a lot of people and perhaps maybe not for quite a lot of people, but just in terms of the way that I've ingested Stars of the Lid and talked to people who are 
into that band, it feels like that um, the kind of attention gets put on those last two full lengths they put out, right? That seems to yeah be in the kind of cultural conversation. They, they you know, unfortunately eclipse a lot of their work and certainly where in terms of the way that I got into them, it was through mm-hmm. tired sounds and through and their refinement refinement yeah, yeah. um i got them into rolling stone right yeah that's i mean that's probably it isn't it that that's kind of answered why those two are uh, top of the pile but um yeah is there a reason that you went with avec laudanum is is that the first one you heard or is that just the one that juts out for you because you enjoy it yeah more, uh, yeah the first one i heard i believe was tired sounds but right which is I would also list as, you know, when one of the, I don't know, more influential ones for me, but yeah, no, this one, Effect Well Nam is just, and yeah, in terms of its, its vibe and in terms of like, in terms of like every, every single track, every minute on the record, just really hitting hard for me. Um, that's definitely the, it's definitely the one i like it's kind of like brevity too it's yeah not a huge um you know like symphony kind of thing it's just um i like how it kind of signs in and then signs off and, right. and kind of uh but it's really slick in, in a sense in that way how it does it and i love that and that really like yeah just to be yeah can that's really i mean in terms of sequencing too to get more technical like i i kind of more like that really helped frame just ideas for how to how you could sequence a record you know i could sequence like an lp so when i did receive the opportunity to do that one day like years later i was able to yeah i just um i like how they like like the first track of the b-side dust breeding yeah just how that's uh how that's all done i don't know so (laughs) yeah i think your point about brevity is really interesting because I think that's definitely comes to light even more so in the, in the yeah. advent of the two other works. I think certainly that's colored how I perceive Avec Laudanum is, is knowing what mm-hmm. happened to Stars of the Lid after this record, right? It's like you have these sprawling, very orchestrally woven statements that come out afterwards and suddenly Avec Laudanum... Right looks like this mm-hmm. as you say like brief concise statement which is almost knowingly absent of those more broader grander strokes it sort of slinks around the periphery rather than yeah filling up and welling up in the center which right i was really struck by this album i'd not actually heard it yeah i think again it got is like a little moon just sort of tucked <laughs> behind the planets of those last two records you know yeah exactly it's a really nice and as i was mentioning earlier with like the driving too it's like man yeah that mm. that also just makes me think of like empty libraries and <laughs> <I don't> <laughs> yeah and you just drive around like the campuses and the universities but um i do like their ex- extended albums also yeah i also like kind of too like and in, in you if you if you read about how they make some of their recordings and I don't know, just noticing it, just um, like listening to Adam talk, you know, it's can seemingly be very, they're just very, you know, like when you're incorporating something like four track, for example, um, you know, there's going to be imperfections, right? So it's kind of this real kind of lax vibe. Right. And I really also was drawn to that too, because a lot of the, a lot of the initial, um, I guess, they say ambient music I was listening to, it, it did seem to have this kind of like real like seriousness to it, right? And I was just like, well, yeah. yes. I, I kind of liked how stars were, they were, you know, they were just more just chill about things, but also like make fun of themselves sometimes or just, you know, have funny titles, you know? And yeah. um, I don't know exactly how long it took them to make this particular record, you know what I mean? But I wouldn't be surprised if like some of these tracks were just like, no problem you know what i mean yeah. um because or just like done in one night you know maybe mm-hmm. not i'm just projecting but uh <laughs> it's really just like 
but that's that's the vibe that I'm getting at here. It's just like, yeah, like not everything has to be this like full trip, you know. Um, and like these types of deep spaces can exist in the same containers that like say like a pop record could, or like right. any other type of any other type of like shorter brief experience in life, you know. And and it's okay to get deep for a minute, you know, and then just pull out, you know, or whatever, get back out. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a really essential one. And yeah, it's not much else I could say about it. <laughs> no, fair. I mean, yeah. one thing I, I, you, you mentioned it as well, but was this one, I presume this one was also made when they were living in two different cities and mailing dat tapes to each other, right. In order to put the material down, which sounds, <clears throat> oh my gosh, like the patience, you know, obviously looking yeah. back, retrospectively from where we are now seems like a really I think it's beautiful to think about right. but also a very labored way to to go about making a record right yeah exactly yeah yeah and having like i think they had like the dat tapes to like working with dat and um even like when i started got started it was just through you know i was using ableton so just not having yeah I definitely like it is an interesting time too like around 99 it's like you know, there's laptop music is kind of really, you know, there's this hybrid software analog environment all of a sudden, you know? Right. Yeah. But it's like, it's pretty new still at that point, at least for composition and sound. So I like, yeah, I love a lot of those sounds from that time too. And there's like, there's a good amount of like, kind of like um, digital degradation or like, it's not quite a, yeah it's a little rough around the edges and a lot of this like yeah it's software programs that don't even exist anymore you know um yeah some really really nice sounds Cause a lot of the sounds just are really nice i don't know just like just in terms of like the how they were constructed where a lot of as it today like a lot of things are just engineered differently you know totally. uh yeah um won't get into all that but just just the palette the palette of the palette of the software sounds too yeah, that's a uh, nice point. I think it kind of all lends t- for me to this sense of like approximation about a record like this where you've got the sounds pulled from two different spaces, also disparate moments in time, you know, yeah. like one moment of time followed over another. And a, as you say, sort of like a gradually budding digital aptitude which isn't at a point where you can cull the unwanted or the sound of not being quite sure how how to kind of incorporate this new language into the music you get this very sort of non-spatialized non-exact you know beautifully imprecise music this seems like very uh this seems to really, really encapsulate that 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 kind of sensation. I mean, also arriving totally. at the cusp of a millennium as well. You know, you've got this right. boundary crossing again, this real sprawl going on. Yeah, exactly. And I really like that mess, you know, like this like the yeah. mess kind of thing that was happening. And then there's also a lot of reflection because at the turn of the turn of the millennium. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really fascinated by that. Like, and it was really, and it really, you know nobody was talking about like deconstructed club at the time like no, um, no. yeah it was just a different time right John, this has been wicked. Thank you so much for talking through I mean, yeah. both your your current and recent projects, but also these three records. I've had a really nice time talking about them. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me do this. And it's been good to just blab on about um, about these things. I hope it 
was informative uh, for people and definitely check them out. Like um, as much as I can talk shit about things, like it's just better. <laughs> just They're just better to be listened to. If no words, you know, no, it's been really good though. And it's, yeah, it's like this time of year is actually when I would be revisiting um, all of these pretty much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good to go back into the stories, and yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to checking out the other ones that you have have going on. So, yeah. Well, thank you once again, John, and to everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>